Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith America podcast. This is volume next to last. The penultimate? This is the penultimate episode of Marty Smith's America. Yes, that's an announcement. For those of you who are avid listeners, we have this one and then next week. And that's going to do it for this podcast in this form. Uh, Travis is moving along from ESPN. Any of, the, uh, any of you who are fans of Travis, uh, fans of this podcast, fans of Katie Nolan's or Scott Van Pelt's, uh, and, and follow Travis closely. No, he announced recently that he's moving on from ESPN. He has accepted a new job. And why don't you share where you're going? I'm going to the greatest city in America. I think that's fair to say, right? I'm going to Nashville. Yep. Greatest city in America. Congratulations. And fortunately for me, Travis and I are going to continue to get to work together <clears throat> on another podcast. And so I'm really excited about that and the future of that podcast. And Really grateful for ESPN that they gave us this platform uh, to everybody involved, uh, Pete and Louise and everybody, uh, all the way back to Sharita Johnson, who believed in what our message was here and, and trying to interview people and open them up and have a really good time doing it. And it's allowed me to really share a lot of myself and what's going on in my life and my perspectives on things and uh, I'm just really grateful to have had the platform. Um, so y'all will still get to hear it, uh, just just not here on Marty Smith's America. But uh, we've had a great run, and I'm really – it was really fulfilling to get to interview so many interesting people on this podcast from – I mean, you name it. I mean, we, we've interviewed a whole bunch of different people. And Ken Burns comes to the top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Ken Burns one was really fulfilling for me. We learned a lot. It was fascinating how he operates and and how meticulous and particular he is. We had Cam Newton on from the Super Bowl. We had – I hate to say this because of their affiliation, but Aiden Hutchinson and his dad, Dr. Hutchinson, you know, before Dr. Hutchinson came on, I, mitocarditis was just the word that I was trying to learn how to pronounce. Yep. Yeah, and Dr. Hutchison did not back off of it. He felt like they should have been playing football. Ultimately, they did play football. Ultimately, he was correct. And <clears throat> the season was very different, but we the best team won the national title. And that's that. Um, another thing that I'm so grateful for with Marty Smith's America is the fact that someone at Augusta National Golf Club was a big fan of this show, and that's why Travis and I do the Masters podcast. This podcast is why we got the opportunity and remain uh, with the opportunity to do that podcast. And uh, I can never begin to articulate my gratitude for that or my awe of that or my shock that the folks at Augusta National took a chance on us and uh, continue to do so. And they are very pleased with the product, and we're really grateful for that, and we'll continue to do that too. I still remember when you called me. I was like, wait, we get to go to the Masters and do something? Yeah, they asked me when they first called me uh, and inquired whether I would be interested in doing their official podcast. Uh, I said, well, I mean, I'm breathing, right? So as long as I'm breathing, I'm – uh, want to do that podcast and it's so fun to be there and magical to be there and they said to me what do you need I mean it's Augusta National they have unlimited resources 
And I said, I only need one thing. I need my producer. I need Travis Rockhold. And if y'all give me him, we'll figure out the rest. And I promise you that we'll do it at a degree and at a level that is befitting the most magical sporting event on the planet. And you called me and you were like, I said, yes, but I, I still have to ask you, do you want to go to the masters? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, there would have, even if you would have told me, no, I would have been like, well, sorry, you're going to do it. So buckle up. Anyway, we tell you guys all that to first say, thank you for your devotion to it. Uh, keep, keep, make sure you keep paying attention to our social media feeds and you can see where you can catch me and Travis here in the future. And, uh, we're excited to do that for now. Uh, I want to start this podcast with the Ryder cup. And the reason I want to start this podcast with the Ryder cup is that was must watch television. It was, I watched more, I sat on the couch and watched more television last weekend because of the Ryder cup than I have in ages. And I was just captivated. I was captivated with Justin Tom, Justin Thomas's ferocity and with Brooks Kepka's composure and with Bryson DeChambeau just gripping it and ripping it and amazing that one of the most amazing golf shots you'll ever see in your life, Jordan Spieth. I mean, it was just one thing after the next, after the next. Colin Morikawa just being ice in your veins. I'm a huge Xander Shoffley fan. Uh, he played out of his freaking mind. Dustin Johnson went 5-0. and oh. That never happens. Looking back, it's easy to see why the players were paired with who they were. But Steve Stricker had to make those decisions before. And if Justin Thomas is paired with DJ, it doesn't work the same as when he's with Jordan Spieth and Dustin and Colin work together, but if Dustin's with Bryson, it doesn't work. So those decisions he made were perfect. It was thrilling. I mean, it was thrilling in every single way. And and also, shout out to Scotty Scheffler. He looked the number one player in the world right down the barrel and beat him man to man. And John Rahm, y'all, is a hooper. John Rahm is a baller. He's number one in the world. He's the number one player on earth. And also, we're a little biased. Our boy Adam Hayes is his caddy. I was thinking about Adam with the Ryder Cup because obviously he's going to root for you know his guy, Rahm, who he works with and caddies, but he's on the European side as an American. Really weird, I'm sure. Uh, and I can't wait to ask him that question too. It's funny you say that. I thought the same thing. I saw him on TV there and I was like, I don't want any sent a photograph. I can't remember if he texted it to us or if it was on one of his social media feeds, but it was the morning, the first morning, Friday morning. It's not quite dawn yet. The lights are on first tee and there are people, the stands are packed. And losing their minds, what a scene. I mean, what an amazing scene. Whistling straights look beautiful. Uh, I just uh, – look, it was must-see. And I'll say, tell you what else was must-see. If you guys have not taken a moment to go watch the press conference for the U.S. team after that thing was over, go watch it. It was one of the coolest, most disarmed press conferences I've ever seen, you know, DJ had a decent little buzz. So he was funny. 
Xander, who was the drunkest? Because I think it was DJ, and I don't think it was close. I think it was DJ by a notable margin. And I'm going to tell you another thing. I've said often, and I mean this, Rory McIlroy is the voice of the sport. His interview with Jimmy Roberts after the tournament was remarkable, just remarkable. And I sent Rory a note and told him, I loved every word he said. He encapsulated the passion and the importance and the devotion that all these players across the world have to this tournament. And I'm going to tell you who else is right in there. Jordan Spieth, man. Jordan Spieth is an unbelievable voice. He has a like grace about him, and there's so much credibility, and here's why there's so much credibility. There's so much credibility because he was the chosen one, the next guy. He won the Masters in 2015. He was on a trajectory that we rarely see. And then he fell off the face of the planet, and he never wavered. He stuck to the process and found his way out the other. It took years. It took years. Found his way out the other side, and by God, he found it again. And so he has all of this perspective of be, knowing what greatness is, looks like and feels like, knowing what irrelevance looks like and feels like, and maybe irrelevance is the wrong term because he's Jordan Spieth. He's probably always relevant, right? But he knows what rock bottom is no like com- in yeah, golf. Uncompetitive, like just afterthought when it comes to opportunity to win tournaments. And then, man, he is back. And, and just all of that. Like I loved when he took the microphone. I, I wish I could remember the question. Y'all listen, go back and watch that thing. Was it about the pressure of winning on the European soil? It probably when he took the microphone and said, I think I can speak to that. Cause I, I think they asked Dustin a question. No, it was asked about do they feel pressure of, you know, winning in two years on European soil? And Xander Shoffley answered first and said, No, he just wanted oh, to that's right. That's it. Soak in this moment and not worry about the future. And then Jordan took the microphone and yep. you know, he said, Yeah, the they need that validation of going to Europe and winning the Ryder Cup because he's been on the losing side. And so he understands that's exactly what it was. What, what, good good memory, good thought. And, he's, and, and, like, he just commanded that. He has a quiet kind of confidence about him, almost a mischievous mischievous kind of vibe. I think because he's baby-faced, you kind of forget that Jordan is one of the elder statesmen on that Ryder Cup. You know, he's been on the losing side. He's been on the winning side because he won so long ago that you forget that he's kind of got that scar tissue of the, down, the, the losing and those sides of things. Man, he's uh he's a special, just a special talent. Uh, also, uh, congratulations to my boy Tony Finau. Just everybody involved in that team. I mean, they just they had the eye of the tiger. Man, they were just relentless, and it was just really fun to watch. Uh, speaking of fun to watch, last weekend I was in Columbia, South Carolina, for SEC Nation for Marty and McGee. Um, I got to spend time with my boy Shane Beamer, Marty Smith's America alumnus, back when he was at the University of Oklahoma. And he's building something there, dude. He, uh, I mean, they don't – right now they need players. 
and he is he is going to get them. It's yeah, uh, it's it's going to take time. This but. is one of the weirdest years of college football I can remember. All right, so like y'all are still trying to figure it out up in Columbus. Uh, Clemson is two and two. Let's put it this way: I think it's easier to say who has it figured out right now. I mean, l- listen, I don't know if anybody does. I think the I think the country would say Alabama and Georgia. I don't. I, I wouldn't put Georgia in that list. Why would you put so so Alabama? To me, now they had some really good outside runs last weekend against Southern Miss. All right, against Florida, they couldn't I, run a football. So it's going to be like that. They now your boy Jamison Williams is an unbelievable talent. I the second that he hit the portal and then he went to Alabama, I told you, I said they're going to use him in special teams. He's got the speed on just go routes, and then they're going to find a way to get him on some crossing stuff like Devonta Smith. He's and so that- fast. Like, watching him – like, I don't know if he was just – I don't I, – I, watching those kick returns, watching those kick returns, like, it was weird, man. He was so much faster than everybody else. The, the reason I think Alabama has it figured out – is maybe they don't in Alabama terms, but they're not where they're at is so far ahead that if they don't have things figured out, they have that window, they have that gap. Whereas, you know, Florida's got some issues. Georgia's got all these other teams have issues. So it brings them down where Alabama might be bring down, but there's, there was still that gap between them and everybody else in the country. But Florida's close because I mean, Florida gave Bama everything they wanted. Florida missed an extra point or that thing's in overtime. All right. So, so I, I mean, I think Florida's pretty good. Emory Jones is really playing well. Uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, once he's held, like really healthy, what's that look like? Does Mullen go back to a two quarterback system? Uh, I think Florida's pretty close. Georgia's damn good. I mean, they are damn good. Their defense is crazy. They got 350-pound dudes running sideline so, to sideline. And offensively, they got a little work to do. So offensively, they've got some work to do. But also, I want to see their defense uh, go against a high-powered offense because I, I know that their defense is good. It always is good under Kirby. But is it as elite as we think it is? Or look who they've played so far. Because that Clemson performance now isn't looking as good as, you know, you know, we can't look at that defensive performance that they put on Clemson and hold it in high as regards as we did originally because Clemson has clearly got some issues on offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Clemson's struggling to block people. And, uh, you know, it was interesting watching Dabo back going back to watching press conferences. I watched Dabo's. And he's pretty defensive about their offensive struggles, saying, look, y'all, we're a couple plays from being 4-0. Uh, like, I mean, and he named the, the pick six against Georgia. So, bottom line is, Clemson, look, they, they got stuff they got to clean up. I mean, OU. And it starts on the offensive line. Um, from my perspective, like from what I'm watching on tape, watching on replays and whatnot, uh, 
losing Trevor Lawrence, uh, losing Travis Etienne. They got really good talent on the perimeter. But uh, Uyangalale is really under duress I think, often. I think what we're seeing too is, and it's not just them, is teams and fans get so used to when they get a new quarterback, there isn't that a beat miss. And so you forget that it's going to happen at some point. I mean, well, Clemson, here's Clemson the- went from Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence without missing a beat. It's hard to stay at that level. And, and it's not that DJ's not good. It's just those guys were so great. No, DJ, DJ's going to be fine. Yeah. DJ's going to be fine. Uh, it's, and, and <laughs> you, you're, you're so right. When you go, look, what, Taj Boyd was the conference player of the year. Okay. Taj Boyd had Sammy Watkins, Nuke Hopkins, and Martavis Bryant as his wide receiving core. Holy All right, and then Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence are generational quarterbacks So, and and had talent all over the place. Look, Clemson Clemson is recruiting at an insane level. All right? They – I don't – like – Look, all I can tell you is when I watch them, it doesn't look like they're able to block people and so uh, on the offensive line. So now they got a couple injuries to the defense that are very, 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 very bad. Losing Brian uh, Brezzi, that one stinks. Yeah, towards ACL, right? He's he's an awesome player to watch. Awesome player to watch. And if y'all haven't read it, go to TigerNet.com. My boy David Hood is the uh, – I think he's even the owner of it, but the the lead writer on TigerNet wrote a piece a couple weeks ago. It might have been last week, and he texted it to me because he wanted me to see it. I hope to get to do a piece on this for College Game Day about Brian Brzee and his sister is currently battling cancer. Really good piece. Really good piece. Go, go find that. Um, yeah, very weird year in college football. If um, you don't have a team, this is the best year to watch college football since maybe like 07 when there was chaos at the end. Like if you just enjoy college football and you can sit down and watch. I mean, we've had, I think the number is 25 ranked teams lose already. I think there was six last week. Like it's, it's amazing. It's a wild year, man. Like, and we're just having a game, conference play to start. A game I'm watching this weekend, man, that Baylor-Oklahoma State game. I mean, Baylor's undefeated at 4-0. Dave Aranda is doing a great job. Uh, you know, it's another thing. We're talking about LSU. Like, I'm all over the place here. But two years ago when LSU was a world beaters, they had 15, 16 pros starting on that team. They had – Dave Aranda as their defensive coordinator, and they had Steve Ensminger and Joe Brady on the offensive side and a generational quarterback. Look, man, it is crazy how Nick Saban keeps Alabama rolling, the way he loses coaches. That's unreal. Because other schools, when they have coaching turnover, there's an interim period where it's a substantial adjustment time. Well, for example, look at Ohio State. 2019, Jeff Halfley comes in as the defensive coordinator, crushes it, takes head coaching job at BC. Last year, the defense was lacking, but it's also during COVID. So you're like, all right, maybe get some things fixed. This year, they're changing up who's calling the plays. Kerry Combs, mm-hmm. who's the DC, is now up in the press box. Matt Barnes, who's the other secondary coach, is now on the field calling the plays. It's They're having a complete overhaul on the defensive side midseason. Yeah, I mean, see, that's what I'm saying. And that's elite. 
Ohio State's an elite program. Ohio State's a top three program in the country. And so it just really is uh, an amazing year. Uh, It's an amazing year. And we've already said it's the most transitional period in the history of the sport with all the different changes, NIL and what that means, transfer portal. I mean, it – Two of the best players that entered the portal last year were Jamison Williams, he went to Bama, and Henry Toto from Tennessee, he goes to Alabama. And so it's like Coach Saban said, it don't hurt us none. I don't know. Interesting, interesting time. And uh, anyway, back to being in Columbia, that was an amazing scene. Thank you to all the Gamecock faithful. They showed out from Marty and McGee and SEC Nation. We had a great crowd. The energy was off the chain. McGee and I had a really good conversation with Coach Beamer about what he's doing and what it's like to change a culture. And the number one thing he needs, y'all, is time. And that is the most precious resource. The SEC is a three-year league. And I think you might – you probably almost need to give him a fourth year just because – Have to. It's – it's a – you're trying to recruit, but you're – you've got these kids that are already there and you're trying to meld everything together and, oh, yeah – you're doing it in the SEC, so you're, you know, it's you got to give them time, and that's the problem with a lot of these uh, programs is they keep firing their coaches, and so now they're they're out of money to hire anybody, and it's like you can't get any stability. And recruits aren't stupid these days, and they're seeing the turnover. And why am I gonna? You no longer you don't commit to the school, you commit to the coach and the the, the players around you, and these recruits are gonna see it, and so you've you've got to give Shane Beamer time, and I if you do. I think you will be rewarded. Yep. I think, and, and I hope they give him that. I think they will. Uh, he's beloved there. He has galvanized a fan base. I mean, they are, the SEC's brutal. Kentucky's a really good team. I mean, they're a really good team, undefeated right now. And talk about the transfer portal. Look at their yeah, quarterback. Yeah. Will Levis comes over from Penn State. All of a sudden, three yards in a cloud of dust, Kentucky can go vertical. And so, I don't know, man. Uh, I uh, Alabama's the best team in America. If they play Georgia today, I'd pick Alabama. So, that's where we are. Now, this weekend, speaking of Alabama, that's where we're heading. Marty and McGee and SEC Nation are heading down to T-Town as Lane Kiffin comes calling. Uh, they, too, Ole Miss is a really good football team. Matt Corral is the Heisman front runner right now. He is hooping. He is balling out of his mind. Part of that is his natural God-given ability, of which he has a lot. Nick Saban said this week he might be, is, one of the most gifted quarterbacks we faced in terms of a run and pass skill set. Well, he just faced Justin. Now, granted, it was an injured Justin Fields, but he just faced Justin Fields in the National Championship game five games ago. Yeah, but Justin – doesn't run like Matt Corral does. No, he doesn't. He really stresses those linebackers and ends a little different than Justin is. If I need to run, I will. Matt Corral's like, I can run. run and I'm going to bust 20 yards on you right now. Watch me. Yep. Yeah. And he's got swag for days, man. And his relationship with Kiffin is like big brother, little brother. They bust each other's balls all I the almost, time. I look at it almost as like Lane is that awesome uncle that yeah. if need be can kind of bail break, you out of jail you know, yeah buy your buy your six pack but yeah. also be a parent if need be but he's gonna let matt corral 
be himself and he'll rein it in if he needs to, but it's a perfect combination. Well, it really is. And man, is it potent. And DJ Durkin has improved that defense, which Lord knows they needed that. They couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. And so they're a good football team. And I can't wait, I can't wait to see what this game ends up looking like. It's going to be a good football game. Um, you know, I, Lane is very smart and devising plays. And Nick Saban said this week in his press conference that when Kiffin came in, they realized that they had to change the offense to more of a spread RPO type of type of uh, scheme. Remember, we had Lane on the podcast, and he told us that you know everyone is talking about Nick's offense, and then and he said Nick brought me in and said I need you to change the offense up. Yep, yep, and and he did that. And uh, Saban said this week I learned a ton of offensive football from that guy. So. Won't it be fun to see all that talent on the Bama side of the ball? Will Anderson is a freak recently after week two, I think. I put on Twitter – I asked the folks on Twitter, and this was an open-ended question. This wasn't an opinion on my part, but when I watch Will Anderson play football, I see Derek Thomas. And I said to the Alabama faithful, if I were to compare Will Anderson to DT – what would you say? All of them were like, pump the brakes, bro. Will Anderson is a total freak of nature. He is going to be a great play, good, really good play. He's going to be a great player. But Derek Thomas is one of the greatest of all time. And that's true. I mean, guy had didn't he have 28 sacks his last year at Alabama? 28 sacks. I don't know I what think. the number was, but it, it was a lot. Hold on. Let's let's Google it. 27. Alabama fans, this is this is what this said. This is from RollBamaRoll.com. Alabama fans have been blessed with a bevy of outstanding linebackers for which to root over the years, but there will never be another Derek Thomas. A favorite of many, the record 27 sacks he collected in 1988 still stands and will likely never be broken. 27 sacks in a single season, y'all. Holy guacamole. And they probably only played back then maybe 12 games. I mean, it's just remarkable. But um, anyway, uh, I can't wait to get down there to Alabama. I'll be that's going to be a, there. A, that's going to be a scene because you think about it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. Bama's first game was a neutral site. And these other games, you know, with all due respect, they're just not – you know, the big, you know, big game. And they know what this game means to that program. And those fans are going to show out and that's going to be a scene. And you've seen a lot of teams go on the road this year. Uh, Stanford Steve brought this up on Scott's podcast. You've seen a lot of teams on their first road game, you know, big one, you know, kind of struggle here and there. It's been a long time since these kids have played in hostile environments. And so it'll be interesting to see how Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin handle that noise. Yeah, Will. I, I I don't worry about Matt Corral when it comes to savvy. I, I just – I don't know. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't worry about that for him. It's like Joe Burrow a little bit. Like, I remember being at, in Tuscaloosa 2019 season when, uh, when Burrow and, and the Tigers went in there and got the victory. 
I have an unbelievable video on my phone that I never posted on social media of pregame warmups. Joe Burrow is standing. I'm standing right beside him. I'm like three foot away from him. He's warming up his arm, throwing passes. And the Alabama student section is to my right and behind Joe yelling a lot of things at him. Dog cussing him. It's an unbelievable video. I'll post it someday probably. But uh, I didn't feel like it was appropriate at the time. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. You're right, though. I think I'm just I'm not worried about Matt Corral's poise. No, but you're right, though. If if he can channel that what Joe Burrow had, the intangibles, then it's not going to affect him because you're you're right. Joe just had that. Joe's great. different, man. Joe's an alien. He's an alien, man. Um, We're just built different in Ohio, Marty. Yep. No question. But All right. you, before we leave, though. Yeah, what else you got? I can't think of anything else to talk about. Arkansas. Oh, that was what I was going to say a minute ago. Good call, dude. They got to figure it out, too. <laughs> they got to figure it out, too. Uh, I'm astounded. Uh, I'm, I'm astounded. And it just goes back to something Derek Panamski said to me two seasons ago, back to LSU. Talking about Coach O being at LSU and how he just fit that program so well. And Derek said to me, that, uh, by the way, Derek Panamski is Coach O's right-hand man down at LSU. And DP said to me, dude, go get the guy who bleeds the program and give him the resources to hire great coordinators and a great coaching staff. That's the formula. And, boy, is that what they did in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Hunter, you're a check. Brought Sam Pittman in, and when he interviewed him, Pittman said this last week before they played A and M. Can you like? Can you handle the media? Can you handle the people? But it was mostly about the local media. They didn't know they were going to do this this fast. But Hunter hired Pittman, the guy who bleeds the program, and gave him the resources to go hire a great offensive coordinator, and a great defensive coordinator. And they are – they have bought into every single thing Sam Pittman preaches. You're right, because if let's, let's say Tennessee hires Sam Pittman, it ain't the same thing. It's, it's different. You're right about the Arkansas media – because from a national – landscape if you're not in arkansas you look at that program like all right but it's the only show in town in that state and they you know they want greatness and it's what he's doing i was um looking at some highlights of that defense or arkansas they gang tackle like it like nobody else does and they run to the football oh my lord i was cutting some uh b-roll this uh last night and it's unreal they it Watch them tackle. There's at least eight men around the ball every time. Grant Morgan, Jalen Catalan, Bumper Pool. I mean, they got dudes that fly around. And my gosh, it's fun to watch. But I tell you, I love what Pittman said last weekend. Like he, I love his press conference. I learn every time I listen to him. And he said something that blew my mind. I, I even have my notes right here. Let me see here. I want to read this to you. This this blew my mind. All right. 
This was before they beat Texas A&M, okay? All right. There's not a lot of time to bask in any success. To me, that's wasted time because we still have one, two, six, 13, and 22 left on the schedule. You know, one and two are Alabama and Georgia, who they play this weekend. I mean, their schedule is relentless. But that was a hell of a statement against Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies. I mean, they own the state of Texas. And I saw this quote from um, Sam Pittman. I don't think you can reach your full, full potential out of fear. I think you can. I think you can out of want to. Yeah. And he was talking about how the loudest his players should hear him is when he's happy for them, not when he's mad at them. That's cool. And I was like, man, if you can't root for Sam Pittman, you ain't I don't got know a who pulse. you can root for. Yeah, you ain't got a pulse. Thrill for him. Thrill for Barry Odom. Uh, they're just they're playing out of their minds. It's fun to watch. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you very much. Congratulations to the U.S. Ryder Cup team for bringing that thing back to the States. I think they still might be drunk. Uh, they very well may. And, uh, and by the way, Justin Thomas will be on Marty McGee on Saturday. So y'all tune in and hear what he has to say. Really appreciate y'all. We love doing this. We're really grateful for the platform and for ESPN giving us the opportunity. And thank you guys for listening again. Just check out Travis and my social media handles to see where you can hear us discuss all things, Marty, all things, Travis, uh, here in the future. Before we head out, I want to remind everybody about ESPN's new hockey podcast, In the Crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with leading experts on the sport, Hall of Fame broadcaster Linda Cohn and national NHL reporter Emily Kaplan every Monday and Thursday. Cohn and Kaplan will bring fans their inside perspectives, reportings, reactions, analysis to the latest breaking headlines and under-the-radar stories both on and off the ice. The duo will also be joined regularly by ESPN's lineup of NHL voices, current NHL stars, and legends of the game. That's in the crease. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. We appreciate our law enforcement officials all over the country working hard to keep our community safe. Really appreciate our fire and rescue teams, first responders, and the United States military. So grateful to live in the United States. Love my country. Thank you guys for your sacrifice. This is Marty Smith's America. We'll see y'all next week for the last time.